Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. So on today's episode, I've invited Sean Dubravic to join us today. Um, Sean is a best-selling author of Digital Destiny, How the New Age of Data Will Transform the Way We Work, Live, and Communicate. He's previously served as the Chief Economist for Consumer Technology Association and is widely published on the topics of technology, finance, and economics. So Sean, we're so glad to have you today on the podcast. It's great to be here. Happy to have this conversation. Wonderful. I was hoping maybe you could start by outlining a little bit about the history of digital and the future as you see it. Sure. We've been talking about technology and, and technology transformation for uh, for decades, really hundreds of years. We've been, if you step back to the industrial revolutions, thinking about the role that that advancement and innovation plays. But when you think about digital transformation, it's really been the last 20 years that we've started to see this change, how we live, how we communicate, and, and how we work. If you look at some of just the basic stats, in, in 2000 in the United States, only about 4% of households had, 3 or 4% of households had broadband connectivity. Only 40% of households had a home computer. We were still living very off the uh, off offline existences, if you will. Uh, and it's been in the last decades or or two that we've really started to think about how digital is part of our our daily lives. Yeah, I think it's interesting as I think about my own journey with digital. So I'm in that that interesting generation that's been called Zennials where we had an analog childhood and a digital kind of adulthood. And I think about my parents checking in on me as a kid and I'd be like, okay, call me when you get here, call me when you're leaving. And now I just pull up my phone and I can see where my kid's at and I can set sure. a notification, hey, text me when he leaves. So it's it's totally transformed just the way I parent and thinking about you know how does that change um, how I look at my role from a human resource perspective and one of the things that has come up a lot is artificial intelligence and how that's potentially going to impact human resources for the future. Do you have any thoughts on that? Definitely, you see AI in many forms starting to show up within the HR function, and, and we tend to think about uh, three or four core AI capabilities. One is computer vision. So this is image recognition, being able to to take a photo and then identify what that is. We also see speech recognition or what we would call natural language processing start to show up. That also shows up with respect to text and and chatbots. And then you can think of machine learning, which is generally using a lot of data and information to try to drive a prediction, to try to create an estimate of something. And you're seeing all three of those show up within the, the HR function. There's a tremendous amount of data that's being captured as we've moved into a digital environment. And, and the next big step is to take that data and deploy it in new and interesting ways. So I would argue that the HR function is being completely redefined today as we start to implement AI capabilities using all of the data that, that uh, we have stored. Yeah, I, I recently saw a, a commercial for Amazon's Alexa, and it was... Um, how McDonald's is actually using the Alexa product to have 
people apply for jobs. So you can just say, hey, Alexa, I want to apply for a job at McDonald's, and it's going to walk you through verbally that, that process. Um, what I think is interesting about that is, is we take what you said and think about all the different applications of that. It's like there's hope that's limitless on how that's going to impact the role in HR. And I think it really is changing how we look at HR from – from being very transactional to potentially being more strategic. How do you see some of those changes happening? I think you definitely hit on it, that it moves from just a transactional function that is very reactive to one that is much more strategic in nature and much more proactive. So we start by automating some of the routine tasks that we're constantly being inundated with. And sometimes that could be 80% of your workflow. It's answering traditional uh, traditional questions, how much leave do I have? Where can I find my leave? How can I apply for leave? Uh, What are my benefits? And automating some of that routine information so that the individuals can self-serve essentially and and get that information that they need in a format that's useful for them whenever they want it. That's the other thing that you see is as we digitize and automate some of these features, then the employee can self-serve anytime they want. They can get that information in the middle of the night if they want. What that will do is free up the HR professional for what will eventually be much more meaningful work. So they will have a hands-on experience with the employee. I don't think it takes the human out. In fact, I think it puts more of the human into the environment. If you if you think of anything that we've automated, uh, think like washing your dishes, and we automate that with a dishwasher. It allows us to spend our time doing other things. And ideally, hopefully, that's spending more time with individuals. Yeah, you had shared with me kind of offline the concept of secondary order effects. Um, and and how do you see those and the ripples? You know, Maybe you can give an example of that. I think you shared something about the music industry earlier, if you could share that with the audience, and, and how you see those ripples maybe affecting the workforce. Sure. I think when we look at digital technologies, and we look at the change that's taking place, we're pretty good at identifying what I call the first order effects. So this is the uh, initial uh, change that takes place. What we don't always do a good job at is seeing the second order effects. So these are the changes that take place as a result of the first changes that, that went into effect. So if you look at the music industry, for example, the first order effects when we brought music online was that you could download songs, single songs, as opposed to having to download the whole CD. And when it was a physical experience, for the most part, we were buying physical LPs or we were buying physical CDs. We'd have to buy the whole album. We couldn't just pick and choose what we wanted. But in a digital environment where there is no shelf space scarcity and it's easy to pick and choose exactly what you want, we were able to just pick the songs that we liked off the album and and buy those, download those. And then as we move into a streaming environment, we were able to stream those. So that's kind of the first order effects that the music industry uh, was able was more accessible to more people and we could get just the pieces we want. Now what we're starting to see as a result of this transformation that's been ongoing in the music industry for 20 years is that it's starting to change the music that we listen to. Uh, songs are becoming shorter on average by about a minute. The titles are becoming shorter by about a word. And so now you're seeing many songs that are one or two words as opposed to multiple words long. You're seeing the introduction of songs start to change. They're jumping into the chorus much quicker, trying to catch you. So if you look at the way that uh, artists are compensated for streaming music, they're only paid if it streams for more than 30 seconds. So when you listen to a song and you skip it within the first 30 seconds, that artist isn't paid. 
they talk about that within the music industry as the skip rate. And they're trying to minimize the skip rate. And so in order to get you hooked on that song and get you to listen to at least 31 seconds, they're playing uh, the the chorus much quicker. They're jumping right into the lyrics and trying to really hook you. And so you think about something like Bohemian Rhapsody would have uh, not done so well in the streaming environment because it has this long introduction. It's a very long song generally. And you're seeing, especially among the, the popular pop songs, they tend to be shorter and quicker. Yeah, I um, I'm definitely going to take away not skipping, <laughs> so that artists can get get their money's worth when I'm listening to music now. Uh, it's interesting though, as I think about the changes that we talked about that are happening in HR and taking some of the automation from the repetitive tasks. It's going to free up HR to have the opportunity to do things like think broad picture, get more involved at the C-suite and and have conversations with potentially board members that we haven't had before. I mean, I think there's been conversations for a long time and, you know, having HR have a seat at the table. I think we have a seat at the table now and it's what does that seat look like and what do we start influencing? We've had some conversations recently about, you know, HR is now becoming more marketers of what they can bring to the table. And it's an interesting concept and, and um an opportunity for us to reskill as we look at at our future role. As you take the transformation of digital and some of the things we've talked about from HR perspective and for the payroll professionals that are listening, what advice do you have for them on what they should be looking at to to really upskill themselves to have a broader picture about how digital might impact their future? One of the great challenges will be that HR professionals are very good at some of those routine tasks. They're very good at getting you the information you need. They're very good at customer service, if you will, and providing whatever the the employer is uh, and the employee is asking for. Moving away from some of those routine tasks, because those will be naturally become automated, and focusing on some of these much more highly cognitive skill sets will be ever important. And I would argue that HR professionals often have uh, these skill sets in abundance, things like empathy, understanding, active listening. But as you're even more involved with human interactions, when you've automated some of those routine tasks that you've been doing for decades now, it'll become even more important to have those uh, those skill sets. And to your point about being a marketer of your role, as you free up time, you're going to have new time to define what that HR professional will be moving forward. Clearly, it will be a more strategic role. It'll be a role that has great visibility at the C-level as well as at the board level. It will be a a role that will be viewed as important from an operational standpoint, that it can drive productivity, it can drive growth, it can also reduce costs if you're able to, uh, if you think about things like maximizing your retention rates and other things like that. So I think the rest of the the C-suite is recognizing that value add, and it's important that the HR professional start to really advocate those roles over some of the routine tasks that they've been doing for decades and really start to define how they'll be spending their time in the decades to come. So, Sean, are we running into a time where AI is really going to take over what HR is doing every day? I, I don't believe so. I think that there, it will always be important to have individuals at the helm and in control. Will we use AI in new ways? Will we use machine learning and and natural language processing and other tools and techniques to further the the goals and the aims of the HR function, definitely. We're going to see more of that, and we are just starting down that path. There's going to be a lot more to come. I think one of the great uh, struggles and the important thing for the HR professional to think about is where do we put the human in the loop? 
if we're not putting the human in the loop at the beginning of the process, and maybe some of those pieces are, are automated, where does the human come in the loop? Already you see that. Think about things like recruitment, where you're posting on not only your own company site, but probably on a lot of job boards. Some of that is automated already. Individuals come and they submit the uh, the application, and so you're then gathering all of these applications. At some point in that process, you're bringing a human in the loop who's reaching out to the appropriate candidates, and then you're starting that that dialogue. That same scenario is going to play out in every function that the HR professional needs to undertake. Some pieces will be automated, but at some point they're going to want to bring a human into the loop to help. And and I think that's really at the uh, and I think that's really what the HR professional needs to do is define where the human sits in that loop. Do you think there are changes that are happening in the workforce as a result of these digital technologies? It, it's clear to me that the employee is in a much stronger negotiating position, and they're able to put demands on things that historically were fully under the discretion of the employer. So take, for example, the impact that the ride-hailing services like Uber and Lyft have had on how we think about payment periods. Uh, historically, we got paid every two weeks, and they showed a new model that with digital information, because the services that they they deliver are digital, they're able to know exactly how much you're getting paid almost to the minute. As soon as you complete a ride, they know how much the driver will be paid, and they're able to pay that person out essentially in within time intervals that are smaller than two weeks. So as that starts to happen in one part of the workforce, you're going to see that type of demand show up in other parts of the workforce. Other workforces, other employees are going to say, well, yeah, I don't work for Uber Lyft, but I really like that feature, and and I'd like that too. And so they're going to start to demand these things that I would argue are a byproduct of digitization. And going back to our conversations around second-order effects, that's a clear second-order effect. The first-order effect is that, okay, now we can make payments in intervals less than two weeks. And then the second-order effect is how does it start to change how that worker works for us, especially if you think about workers that might not be on on salaried. Do they start to adjust their hours during certain times of the year based upon their their need uh, for income? It certainly puts them in control where they haven't been in in control before. Uh, I think you're going to see that show up in a lot of places. Uh, Another example of that would be being able to switch shifts with somebody where historically you had to go through a manager to do that. I think what what will start to happen is organizations are going to look at all of the information that they have. So for example, a retail might a retailer might look at how busy they are during certain days of the week or or months of the year and they're going to then set their staffing based upon those needs. But then within the staffing there's going to be a lot of flexibility and a lot of control and they're going to be able to uh, adjust within their uh, their own demands and their own requirements. And I think there again, you see the employee becoming much more powerful and having uh, negotiation abilities that they haven't had before. You know, I think about all the different tools that we have in place as HR professionals to just collect data, right? There's all these concepts about big data and how we're analyzing it. How how could how should companies be looking at kind of all this data we're collecting and what we should be doing with it? If you look at what organizations are doing externally when they're trying to understand their customer, they're leveraging data tremendously. They're using data to really hone in on their message to their customer, understanding where their customer 
is and trying to meet them there. I think what's going to start to happen is organizations are also going to look at their internal data as that becomes digitized and, and these environments become datafied, and they'll use that information to create a better experience between the employer and the employee and really allow the, that experience to be customized and personalized. And so um, I think you're going to see, I, I would argue that the HR professional of the future is a data scientist. We're all becoming data scientists as a result of data. So when you think of an HR professional who maybe in the past would have been hesitant to start to look at forecasts or predictions or, or other things where they didn't necessarily feel comfortable, I think that's a skill set they'll have to develop in the decades ahead as everyone within an organization becomes a data scientist for their own domain. And that definitely will be true for HR professionals. It'll be interesting to see if the um, HR education follows that trend, if we're going to start seeing more heavy in you know, master degree programs, statistics and data, and potentially marketing, right, as part of that curriculum. Yeah, and I, I think it's, that's a really interesting trend that you just alluded to is that the HR professional is also taking on a much more important external role. It isn't just servicing or recruiting the, the employees, but it's also the first exposure that a lot of individuals are having to the company. So they really understand the voice of the company, the messaging of the company, and you're, and you're seeing them uh, do that. And I definitely agree that within the continuing education or within the, the traditional education, you'll see more focus on really understanding how data can be used to create a better experience. Yeah, that's really good advice. I thank you for taking the time to sit and chat with me a little bit today. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity to read Sean's book, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's very data-centric, but I think it, it really opened my eyes personally to how digital has changed and how I can start to think about the impact for the future. So really appreciate you being here today. Glad to be here. I think it's a really exciting time for HR professionals. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity in the years to come. Thanks again. 